my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I hope that you are well, and I hope that you are having a a wonderful, wonderful day wherever you are. So today's episode, there has been some back and forth. So I posted on social media, what topic would y'all like me to have for this week? I was trying to decide, do I continue with the love avoidance or do I follow up with the no contact process? I also had an option for, let's talk about cuffing season. Um, And I had everyone on social media vote. And when I tell you, it was neck and neck and tied back and forth uh, between continuing talking about going from love avoidant to love available. And also let's talk about no contact, especially after last week's episode about sitting on your effing hands and not texting them. And so I decided, I want to say it was just a few votes away in difference. Last time I checked last night, it may be different now. It was just a few votes away with just a few people voting more for love avoidance. But I'm going to do no contact, as you can talk, as you can tell from the title, because some of the people who were voting for no contact, they were like saying how, you know, they've been really trying to sit on their hands, that they went into this semi no contact with people and they really want to know how to finish the process. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about no contact as a healing tool for love addiction. In this episode, I'm going to talk about what what I consider no contact to be why I teach it as a tool, uh, my experience with it, and then also talk to you about the steps. I'm gonna I'm gonna cover as much as I can in this episode about the process, but also know that we have a mini program, a mini course that's usually included with the recovery school, the bigger program, because this is an integral process that I tell all of my love addict clients to do if they are open to it, because it is a very difficult process to do. It is probably the most the most transformative process you all ever do, and it doesn't make it the, the easiest. Um, it really does require you to use tools, use support, use your community to get through it, but the buy-in or the, um, the change on the other side is so worth it. So I'm going to cover everything I can in this episode, but also just like I said, there is a, one of my mini courses, the No Contact and Detox Kit that will be available for you if you want, if this, if you need more after this episode, but that that's not me saying I'm only going to give you bits and pieces and leave you hanging. You're going to know what to do. But if you need more access to more tools, that kit will be there for you for those who need it. So Let's go ahead and jump on in. Quick heads up. If you are someone who is triggered by people who say that uh, that blocking is something that you can and should do at times whenever you are in a relationship with someone who is unavailable that you're trauma bonded with. If you're someone who's like, you should just, that's so immature, that's so childish, you should just uh, stand on your own two feet, stand up 
and just don't reach out to them. This episode ain't for you. Now, it's totally up for you if you want to listen to why why I teach the no, con- no contact process that includes blocking as part of it. Um, maybe that might be helpful for you. But if you're like, nope, ain't no way, never, 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 couldn't be me, uh, and I don't want to hear about it, then this might not be the episode for you. But just wanted to let you know that ahead of time. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Okay, so I have a question for you. On a scale of zero to five, where zero is, I don't think about it at all, and five is, I'm fully connected, how on top of your hormone health are you? If you said zero to one, it is time to build that connection. Your hormones and your cycle are central to your overall functioning and regulating your body will completely transform your mental, emotional, and physical health. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. And even though it helps for more than just menopause, Hormone Harmony is great for any horrible menopausal symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, raising thoughts, low mood, poor sleep, feeling tired all the time, bloating and gas, lower sexual desire. Hormone Harmony can help with all of those things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code BGH at checkout. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. So you've heard me share about my journey with vitamin D and how a deficiency was causing havoc in my life, causing depression that was not helped by therapy, emotional support skills, and other resources that I had access to because the source was organic and coming from inside my body. And it was only by healing my body with vitamin D supplements that I actually saw change. And I'm not alone with me being part of the 82% of black women in America who struggle with the vitamin D deficiency due to our melanin not being able to synthesize as much vitamin D from the sun. But Black Girl Vitamins is a proud black owned brand that develops vitamins to address the specific needs of black women like iron and vitamin D deficiency. Each purchase contributes to a scholarship fund that supports black women pursuing healthcare education. Plus they're vegan friendly and free from harmful additives. Try Black Girl Vitamins to see improved health in areas such as energy, fertility, and pregnancy support, balancing your blood sugar, and more. Get 10% off your first order with the code HEAL10 at blackgirlvitamins.co. That's B-L-A-C-K-G-I-R-L-V-I-T-A-M-I-N-S dot co and use promo code heal 10 to get $10 off. Take control of your health and level up your summer with black girl vitamins. It's time to make this summer your healthiest one yet. With the crazy heat waves we are experiencing this summer, especially here in Texas, it can be hard to stay fresh while you're out and about. And that's why I've incorporated the Honey Pot's foaming wash and wipes into my daily routine. The Cucumber Aloe Honey Pot wipes provide a quick refresh when I leave a day of errands and head to a girls' night with friends. If you're heading to an outdoor concert or festival, the Honey Pot wipes are a must to keep you fresh between the fun. Both the foaming wash and wipes are plant-derived, backed by science, dermatologist-approved, 
gynecologist approved and hypoallergenic. Get 25% off your first order from thehoneypot.co slash summer. That's T-H-E-H-O-N-E-Y-P-O-T dot C-O slash summer to get 25% off your first order and join the hive today. Okay, so last week I told you all to sit on your hands. If there were people who were unavailable in your life that you were giving and you were chasing them more, you were pursuing them and they were being more distant, um, that it was continuing to make you feel like low and not good enough every time you were in interaction with them, I encourage you to stop reaching out. Um, to not block them, to not not talk to them at all, but for you to stop initiating and for you to be mindful of the emotions and feelings that were coming up for you. Because as I've talked about before, love addiction, um, the feelings of love addiction that the what keeps us in addictive relationships is not necessarily how great the person is. They could be a really good, good person, but that compulsion to be in touch with them, the intense dread, sadness, fear, despair that happens when we are out of relationship or out of contact with them, um, when they leave us or when we feel like they're leaving us, the anxiety and the insecurity that comes up whenever we feel like they're slipping away or when there's a big fight, the fact that that is like 10 times more than what it feels like your friends or your, your loved ones feel whenever they go through breakups or they go through fights, that is because it's attached to our trauma. It is because that we all have different coping mechanisms. And for love addicts, we use relationships or the fantasy of a relationship and the promise of love, the promise of connection, the promise of security that we think this person or this relationship or this fantasy is going to give us. We use that as a bomb for the wounds that are unresolved within us. So when a person starts to pull away from us, or even if they're not pulling away, but we get afraid that they're going to pull away, it triggers this deep, guttural, um, um, really intense pain, uh, this intense fear that it feels like it's so hard for us to have words for and to grasp that causes us to want to do everything in our power to keep it, even if it means letting go of our own boundaries. If we even know what our boundaries are, many of us, we think we have boundaries, but really they just change depending on the person that we're with. And we kind of just go along with whoever the, the relationship or the situation we're in. Maybe we have strong boundaries at work, but we really don't have that strong boundaries when it comes to family or narcissistic, you know, parents or romantic partners that we that are not treating us in the way that we deserve, you know, we can fluctuate. There are certain relationships that cause us to regress and that is so normal. And it is so, well, it is so common. I should say, if you relate to that, you are not the only one who's like, why do I have a sense of self with everybody else except for this person or these pockets of people? It is because that relationship or relationships have become the bomb, B-A-L-M, like I was saying before, the solve to our wounds or we want them to be. And so we have made up either consciously or unconsciously that if if I can fix things with my mom, if I could fix things with my dad, if I can just get everything right with this partner or this person, if we could just go back to how we were at the beginning, if they could just develop in a way that I see that they can, I'm doing the work, I just really want them to do the work with me. We make up that if those things happen, 
that everything will be okay, but we have created a, a cycle and a system where we are trying to get someone who is not capable, doesn't want to, or doesn't know how to make those changes to be something for us that we're not. So we're going to keep pumping all this energy, time, hope, um, um, and love into this relationship, hoping that that's going to magically transform this person. But all we're doing is recreating our own trauma cycle. We're recreating the same system of abandonment and rejection and neglect in this romantic partner, in this family system, in this toxic friendship, because our inner wound, our our underlying wound is that someone or someone's multiple people did not show up for us show up for us in the way that we needed them to and it caused a really deep um um, sense of, of insecurity inside of us of feeling unprotected and unseen and so we go and we pour all this energy into another relationship or relationships that have that same quality of people who cannot will not or do not know how to show up for us and then we keep getting re-injured and we keep getting re-injured and we keep getting re-injured Okay, I'm explaining this cycle because I want you to hear that this is something that's bigger than the person that you may have been over attached to currently or in the past or the people that you keep coming back to in your mind and and wondering what's going on with them. It's not really about them. It's about you and it's about how you show up and how you feel in this world. So no contact. If you go and try to do no contact with one person, you are only scratching at a little itch and not really getting at the root reason why why the itch is there in the first place. Um, it's just going to pop up someplace else. You're going to end things with this person and then pick up the same system of behaviors with the next person, right? Remember, for those of you who are not new, you've heard me say this before. I talk about love addiction here on this podcast versus, you know, sometimes you're insecurely attached and you do some things this way because it's a persistent cycle of the types of relationships you get in. And for the most part, many people who are love addicts, either you go balls to the wall and you're all the way in with people who are unavailable or you're super avoidant and you're working on yourself and you're doing all this stuff, um, which can be fancy avoidant behavior and you're alone. And so you go through those two extremes, right? So... If it's not about the person, if it's about you, we have to look at no contact as a healing tool for you in general. We have to go in no contact, not from a specific person, but from a specific set of love addictive behaviors, right? Otherwise, again, you're just going to find a different body, different name, and the same process is going to continue to happen until you look at yourself. So I'm going to teach this primarily towards the... um, for my single listeners. Uh, there's always questions for people who are married, partnered, um, or who work with people who they may have no contact relationships with. And I'm going to try to attend to those here. Like I said, I, I do go into that a little bit more in our kit. But for here, um, let me say this about the married partners. I want, before we go any further, I wanna be very clear that when we talk about going into no contact, This is for you and it is not a punishment towards the other person. Sometimes I have people who say they want to do no contact with people that they co-parent with or that they are married with. And um, the co-parenting is like maybe it's a narcissist or maybe someone that um, they're still in love with, but the person is in love with them or, you know, things just ended so badly. And uh, this is someone who continues to try to come and spin the block and all that stuff. Um, 
that is one one set of behaviors where no contact fits the bill. No contact does not fit the bill. If you're in a relationship with someone where you have not tried to communicate your needs to them, um, where they have been trying to move towards you and you have been moving away, because what happens is someone can hear, oh, okay, no contact is about me healing myself and trying to give myself the needs that I desire versus depending on a person. Let me go and try to do that. And if you're in a relationship with a partner that wants you, needs you, loves you, and is attempting to move towards you, you are only going to use this tool to actually destroy that relationship and move further away from them. So you actually need to learn how to move towards them. It's not that um, no contact for people who are in committed partnerships and they are not ready to leave. They don't know how to leave. They're too scared to leave. They are being abused by a narcissist. So they don't think that they have the strength to leave. You can use the no contact process to come home to yourself, to stop depending on someone who is um, going to continue to fail you um, and and continue to re-traumatize and hurt you and make you feel like you don't deserve the love that you do deserve. You use no contact to reclaim yourself in that situation. That is building a protective barrier from legitimate threat. In a relationship with someone who actually wants to be there for you, but you haven't done the work to learn how to communicate your needs to your part- partner, you haven't done the work to realize that you may be projecting your trauma onto them um, and not talking with a couple's therapist or talking with them about what is needed to bridge that gap, um, you are actually, you will be a part of creating that cycle where people leave you either Either you pick people who don't show up for you or you pick people who want to show up for you, but you make it so difficult for them to to be in your space, to be in your heart. And so that is a different process. That is a different podcast episode. But I want to say that here for anyone who's like listening, say, yeah, my my person has been pissing me off. Well, let's let's look at which one of those categories they actually fall into, because Couple conflict and marital discord happens. (laughs) It happens in the best of situations. And so we have to be mindful to not go into our fight or flight and say, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. And um, without making sure that we've done our due diligence to see what's my part, what's their part, and is this salvageable? Is this fixable? And if it is, then do the work to do that. Okay. And if it's not, then, you know, I'm not. I have not been shy to say on this podcast before, maybe it's time for you to go. Um, but I don't, that might not be the case for you. All right, let's go ahead um, and get into this process. So, no contact is a process, a healing process that I teach that is based on my experience in the 12 step program, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. I was in the program for many years and got so much benefit from it. I've talked about it on previous episodes, what I loved, what I didn't love about it. So you can go and check the archive to uh, to listen to that. But one of the core tools that they teach you, or one of the first steps that you get into when you're ready to start working your 12 steps is going into your year of sobriety. And 12 steps for 
the 12 step program for sex and love addicts anonymous and probably sex addicts as well. Um, they teach you to have a year where if you are single, uh, that you are not dating, that you're not talking to anyone, that you don't have any quote unquote friends, uh, that are on the side, but truly you are focused on you and building intimate friendships and partnerships with people. If you are straight of the same sex and there are different, well, there's similar rules, but there are different, there's different wording and energy around if you are queer, uh, what that looks like for you. But basically you are going into this year sobriety period because you're learning how to not sexualize relationships. When you are a love addict, it is very easy and it is it is part of the pattern for you to go from zero to 60 when you meet someone. You are in love with the idea of love. When you love, you love hard. When you find someone, you just catch feelings. If you do, even if you do give someone a hard time at first, once that person is in, they are in and you hold on and it's hard for you to let go. And these are at their core, these are really good skills. You've heard me say this before when I, um, when I talked about the love addict to love balance, uh, um, process for becoming a healed and loved woman. These being faithful, being loyal, being consistent, being empathic, being merciful, being kind, being thoughtful. These are skills that we do not want you to unlearn. We want you to cultivate these, but we want you to put them in places where they deserve to be. And also we want you to be able to do it when it, when it's not at risk to yourself. And so the year sobriety is geared towards you knowing how can I be in relationships with people without, while, while I learn how to communicate what I want, where I can actually be in touch with what I want, and also learn how to be okay with it being just me so that I don't slip into becoming a serial monogamer, that I don't use people for affirmation and validation because I don't know how to give it to myself. And also a year sobriety in the way that they teach exposes all of the ways that you didn't think that you were actually falling into love addictive behaviors, but you actually were. The ways that you were kind of teetering on the line or you thought you were, but really you were just continuing to use people, relationships, fantasy, sex as a source to fill a hole inside of you, which is why it was never enough and why you kept getting people who weren't giving you what you wanted, right? So they teach a year sobriety in that way. And I have shifted from that whenever I teach it to my clients and what I teach y'all. I teach 90 days of no contact. And I teach 90 days because um, I know when I remember when I was in the program and I first heard a year, my initial thought was, wow, that is a long time. You know, at the time I was like, I want to get married. I want to have a child. And I was like, time is a ticking. So I'm supposed to use a year for this. Like, why can't I just practice all of these things on my own by myself? And maybe if I end up dating someone, then I will. But like, it doesn't have to be that serious. And what I found is as I did the process, that all the things that I said just now, which is like, there are so many ways that you aren't aware that your love addiction infiltrates how you see yourself. There are so many negative core beliefs that you have attached to whether or not you are single or not, whether or not you're getting affirmation and attention or not. The ways that love addicts will literally live in deprivation from self-love and, um, and nurturance and, and kindness and, and attention and adoration because the only sources that we have for that is romantic partners. So literally when you are a single, 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 dry single, 
when you don't know how to, when you want, you don't have community around you that hypes you up truly and that's safe for you. And then also when you don't know how to have those conversations with your inner child, with your inner self, um, that, that attends to those needs, you really feel unloved. You truly feel exposed. You truly feel just out there. And this is not to be confused with, um, you know, you could be totally on top of self-love and and self-care, but still, if you want to be partnered with someone, that loneliness still comes and goes, right? So I'm not talking about just that natural loneliness. I, I am not someone who really buys into that, you know, you you're never ever going to be lonely ever. I just, I feel like that's really unfair because lonely is, loneliness is an emotion just like sadness, anger, betrayal, happiness, um, horniness. Like I feel like they're all emotions that they're all parts of the human experience. So I, I really have a hard time with teaching that villainizes that and criminalizes it and makes it, makes you feel like you're doing something wrong if you ever feel loneliness versus sometimes you feel lonely. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that you truly feel purposeless um, and as if your life hasn't begun or that you're, you have a big gaping hole in your life when you don't have access to that type of um, relationship. Um, when you don't have access to that person or that fantasy, that's where we start to look at the problem. And you don't really realize how deep it is until you're completely stepping away from that. And also until you start to replace it with things that actually nurture you and nourish you and make you feel good. So the year of sobriety did me some good, but the reason why I don't teach it to go back to what I was saying before is because I would watch the idea of the year of sobriety is it has to be a true year. So if I am living life and doing my thing and I'm not talking to exes and I'm not talking to new people and I'm truly just building a life that's built on pleasure and love and self-care and healing and all that stuff and friendships and joy and all that stuff. And then I, re- I start dating someone. I, I fall into talking to somebody or an ex comes and I reconnect with them or, you know, I end up having a one night stand or um, if I'm going in one no contact from pornography addiction, I slip up and I have an evening where I look at porn or whatever your sex and love addictive behavior is, you have to start your whole year over. And on one hand, I, I get it because you want to make sure that you're able to build and maintain the same skills consistently, right? You want to be able to build that muscle memory to where you you are secure and always choosing you and choosing you the right way. But watching women start over their years, it was so demoralizing. And even though we're there in the circle and we're all talking about, you know, like this is part of the process and everything and we all have each other, I would watch... I would watch kind of the shame that would happen with that. Um, At that point, you learn to not really talk about the fear of lost time because it's not really accepted, you know, Um, biological clocks and all that. You have to like work on your mindset and all that stuff. Like, so at that point, when people get to that place where they're restarting their year, I never, I personally never heard people mention that, that part of the fear or the loss. But what would end up happening is that people will become so rigid and having to be perfect to where they would keep having slips and they would have to keep restarting their year. So there would be people who would be in the program for years and maybe they finished their first year of sobriety 
and then they would slip up in a way that they did before in the past. And so they had to give themselves, and I'm going to use the word punishment, even if that's not what the intention was, it was. They would have to punish themselves with a whole other year of quote unquote sobriety, which I thought was just so self-destructive which is why y'all hear me teach so much about the importance of self-compassion and self-acceptance and self-kindness. Because if you are not careful, you are going to repeat the same pattern that if you had a critical or really um, author- uh, which one is it? authoritarian or narcissistic parent that didn't ever allow you to make mistakes, If you're not careful, you're going to put those same levels of restrictions on yourself to where if you step out of line, you are now on punishment for a whole year and you have to go into your self-love detox bubble for a whole year. And y'all that I, I, I know I'm I'm not going to put my, I'm not going to ground myself for a year and I'm not going to teach my clients to ground themselves for a year. What I am going to teach you is how to do this process for 90 days. I feel like 90 days is enough time. You, those of you who may be listening, there may be sponsors and sober coaches and therapists right now who are like throwing tomatoes at, at my podcast. And, and I get it. I totally get it. And I want you to do what feels best for you. And I want you to teach your clients what feels best for your clients. But for me and the way that I'm teaching this, I feel like 90 days is a is enough time for you to go through the full roller coaster of triggers, trauma, pain, and learning how to replace all of those thoughts, all of those behaviors, all of those addictive processes with thoughts and behaviors that actually um, fill you up, that heal you, to build community, to build a, a, a system and a routine and a lifestyle that helps you have healthy relationships going forward and gives you the muscle memory for you to be able to refer back to what that freedom felt like so that when people try to try you later on, when an ex or a narcissist or someone tries to get you to go back to those old behaviors, you're like, no, I've already lived through this. Like, I know that I can get through these three or four weeks of withdrawal and that I will be okay and that I will be able to to withstand this. Okay. So that is why I teach 90 days. And so if you do the no contact process, it's going to be 90 days of you going into no contact from all persons, behaviors, and people that. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today told from a unique Black perspective. 
From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Attention to all my proud plant parents. It is time to give all of your plant babies the best nutrition you can, starting from the bottom up. And that starts with the best soil to help them grow happy, nourished, and strong. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that is approved for organic growing and has been sourced from ocean waters and farms for over 28 years. With a full range of products that support every garden and lawn, Coast of Maine products are made to restore roots to the natural world. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, by adding Coast of Maine products, it will help regenerate the healthy microbes in your soil and set you up for gardening success. And if you have a vegetable garden, not only do you benefit via an abundant harvest, but find that there is less need to maintain and feed throughout your season. Coast of Maine continually perfects the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and place that aspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. The products are carried by tons of local retail partners who can provide advice and insight that is not found in the big box stores. Coast of Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community for gardeners everywhere, which is why I love how they make organic gardening simple and approachable for everyone. So let's get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. Coast of Maine, like the state with an E, Com. Feed your love addiction. Now, with that said, because it is 90 days, what I do teach my clients is if they get 20 days in, 20, 30 days in without being in contact with someone that is a qualifying relationship, meaning someone who is unavailable, someone that they've had a toxic trauma bond with, someone that they have not been able to stay away from, that they do need to start their, their no contact period over. Um, If you are able to fully build your life out and get through these 90 days, it is going to create that muscle memory to where you aren't going to deal with the foolishness anymore. I have yet to have a client, and if if there's anyone I worked with that's listening, tell me if I'm wrong. I have yet to have a client that has gone through this process that even if they start to entertain someone who um, who is a little bit foolish at the beginning their stomach can't take it. They literally cannot take it. And they end up cutting things off. Their eyes are open and they know what it feels like to be happy. They know what it feels like to have that sense of peace. They know what it feels like to have true friendship and love um, with the people around them. So they, even if they want to try to uh, make this work or want to try to eliminate red flags and to ignore it, they can't go that long. They, They just can't. And so um, they peep it and they tell that they confront the person about it or they let the person go and they move on. Now, that does change uh, your dating relationship. Um, I mean, part of it is that your self-love and your self-esteem increases so much to where you know what you're worth even more and you know what you deserve even more. And so um, 
so you don't tolerate the BS, uh, which means that sometimes that means that your your weekends are not as full as they used to be because you're selecting more quality people. But that's okay. Um, it means that when you do start to date, your dating experiences are so much better because you're not wasting your time on people who don't deserve you. Okay, so that is my propaganda for you to restart your 90 days if you need to. But let's go ahead and talk about specifically what the process looks like. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. So no contact from love addictive behaviors means that you're you're not necessarily going into low no contact from people who you have just been addicted to, but all of the things that have been contributing to your love addiction. So usually that means friends with benefits. That means people who you may not even really like, but they have been in your DMs or texting you and you just really use them for attention, use them when you're bored, use them for dinner, use them um, for entertainment, even if you really don't like them back. This could be people who you're not, you don't feel like you're using, but they're friends that you know like you. So they are squarely in the friend zone, but you still get that little bit of umph from being in connection with them. Um, Or maybe you don't but they're still on the radar. I'm going to tell you why in a moment. And then of course, in case I haven't already said it, the toxic exes, the toxic, either because they are toxic or they are good people. But when y'all come together, it's just messy. Y'all can't figure it out. There's miscommunication. When you want to move forward, they want to move away. When they want to move towards you, you want to move away. And it's just topsy-turvy up and down all the time, right? Any of those, of course, people who are narcissists and abusive towards you, uh, any of those people or anybody else that that comes to mind for you, that is where you're going into no contact from for the next 90 days. Okay, so that means that you are breaking contact with them. Before I go any further, people usually get all up in arms when I say these things because their thoughts are, well, what if, do I say goodbye? Like, what if I, do I just ghost them? Some of these people, especially the friends, you're like, but they're my friends. Like, am I just supposed to not talk to them for, for 90 days and they don't know why? If these people are truly your friends, if these are people who really um, are good people in your life, 
you can, and I think it is really good for you to absolutely tell them that you're about to do this 90 day period where you are detoxing from energy. When I'm talking to my my clients that date men, my straight clients who date men, I, I abbreviated to your detoxing from all male energy. And so um, that includes these people as well. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you why this includes them as well in a moment. But what it would look like to communicate to them is to say, um, you know, I am going through this process for the next 90 days because I really want to focus on myself and love myself and take care of me. And I feel like I've been trying to get a lot of affirmation from other people. So I'm going to be MIA for the next 90 days. You haven't done anything. Um, this is not about you. It's about me. But I just wanted to let you know because I didn't want your feelings to be hurt if I didn't respond for the next couple of months until end date, right? And I have yet to have a client who had a male friend, um, whether or not there was a romantic past or otherwise, like if it was truly platonic and, and, and nothing was happening, they always tell me what I've always heard is that those men are, are like good for you. Like they are happy that you are choosing you. They're happy that you're finally putting down boundaries. They don't want you to be dragged through the mud. They don't want you to, uh, to feel less than. They want you to feel like the queen that you are. And so I have yet to ever have a client who's ever told me that they told a, a male friend this, that they have got offended. What does happen is the people who are toxic and the people who don't respect boundaries is you will tell them this. Let's say it is an ex that you tell this to, even if they don't give you a hard time, the ones that you could tell don't really honor you and it's more about what they want than about what you want is that throughout the 90 days, if you haven't fully blocked them completely, they will still message you and they'll say, oh, I'm just thinking about you. Just want to send you love. Oh, I'm sending you this stuff. My mama asked about you. Just wanted to tell you happy birth. Like they will find a reason to be in contact with you, even though you have told them that you needed this space, because what's most important to them is that attention. Um, if you have communicated that you are needing this time to honor your heart, to honor you, to reset, someone who wants to be there for you and protect you is going to do just that. They and Because what those messages also end up being is what, if you don't bite, they start to happen more often. They start to get a little bit more intense. Then all of a sudden they're in crisis. They're like, I know you're doing your thing right now, but I really need to talk to you. There's some stuff going on. And I feel like you're the only person that will understand. And that shit right there, girl, when we talk about emotional foreplay, when it comes to being back connected to someone that you ain't got no business talking to, if it's not romantic intrigue and sexual intrigue, let somebody tell you that they need you. Girl, it's over. It's over. You need me. I'm there. Right? Especially as a codependent. So you have to keep your eyes open for all of that stuff. So what I tell people, when it, especially when it comes to toxic exes, if they're not, if you haven't already done this already, is that everybody needs to go on to block. This is not an indictment on whether or not you actually love yourself or whether or not you're strong enough. It's going back to the fact that this is about a trauma response. With people that you're trauma bonded to, you have created a cycle where you will recreate your same abandonment trauma response with someone who does not and will not and cannot and doesn't want to know how to show up for you. So even in spite of your common sense and knowledge, 
Your trauma, your body wants and needs resolution. Your body is geared and and designed to try to resolve problems and to make sense of what's going on. So with the person that you're trauma bonded to, you are going to continue to try to give and give and give to them until you break that cycle and you learn how to not try to need the attention that you're hoping that they're going to give. So let me let me give a more specific example. Let's say you're trauma bonded to an ex-romantic partner that really attended, that you were staying attached to because it attended to your need to feel special. You really, on the inside, you really feel not special and you really feel unseen and forgotten. And what you really loved about being with this person is that you felt very seen, you felt very special, you felt very um, appreciated. And so you would continue to go around them, even though they would only give you that attention in pockets in pockets of time. And every other time, they would not be available for text. They would be spending time with other people. Maybe they would have you friend zone sometimes, and maybe they would want to just use you for sexual connection and favors, but they would never truly commit to you when it was time to actually um, spend time with you and be in relationship with you. All of a sudden, they're ghosts. All of a sudden, they're not ready. All of a sudden, they... Um, don't really have the wherewithal to be there for you. So you will continue to entertain a relationship with them because you don't know and you don't really have access to other relationships that make you feel special. You don't truly, you, you might even tell yourself, hey, Sheena, you're special. Hey, Ashley, you're special. Hey, Jessica, you're special. But really when it comes down to you in the quiet hours, you doubt if anybody else would be ever be able to see you as just as special as this past relationship. So you hold on for that same connection, even in spite of all the pain that comes with it. When you sever that trauma bond, when you create space with that relationship and you actually replace it with the positive behaviors, with the thoughts, with the intentions, with the tools that help give you that need, that help attend to that need, that you actually learn how to actually truly deeply know that you're special, not think that you're special, but truly know and feel that you're special, just like you know the sky is blue. Like It's like there's not even a question, of course I'm special, and I know I'm so special that the fact that you are half-assing your time with me shows that you really don't see how special I am. So it is easy, it's easier for me to be objective and move forward. I could still really like you. I could still really wish that things were different, but I know myself and I love myself more to where I'm not going to fall for that. What happens when you try to stay in a trauma-bonded, quote-unquote, friendship with somebody or try to try to keep them on, a, on the side, one, the fact that you're trying to keep someone on the side who isn't treating you with love and respect fully is already a sign that there's something that's kind of off with how you see yourself to allow yourself to be disrespected in that way. And that's not a slight. That's that's really like you you don't see how awesome you are. So you don't see how how grave an error it is for someone to to be sleeping on you like that, you know? So so yeah, it's not a knock on you. It's more like you don't you don't see how how much more you deserve. And so the more you have someone around 
for, so that's the first sign that there's something off that you don't see that. Also, it becomes so normalized that someone would treat you with that level of disrespect to where when they give you just a little breadcrumb more, you feel like they're making real change and they're really, um, really stepping their game up when really they're getting closer to baseline behavior. Like they're not even at baseline behavior, but you feel like because they were being generous that day with their time, their energy, their money, their whatever, their sex game, whatever, that 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 means that there's promise, there's hope here, when really they're still below, like the bar is in hell, right? And they're playing hopscotch up and up and down it, you know, like they're, they're still not at the right level. And with them being there, it still gives you access. It still enables you to keep coming back to this friendship and relationship and hoping that it's different. And it doesn't make space for you to have to have some freedom and have some air from that person to where you can see, wait, okay, this is how big the gap actually is. This is how big the hole actually is. Let me make space for the people who actually deserve me to step into that space, to step into the place where I really want to have this nurturing, full friendship, romantic partnership, mother-daughter, father-daughter relationship, brother-sister relationship that I'm not getting right now. Um, You need that respite. So going back to no contact as a healing tool, literally the 90 days is about a reset for you. It's not about punishing them. It's not about proving that you're a bad bitch and what all this other stuff is literally because I am so surrounded by friendships, romantic partnerships, situationships, and people that I cannot figure out what I need and what I want because it's too loud in here. It is way too loud and I have to turn the volume all the way down. And that means I need to get out all of the confusing relationships and inputs and triggers and systems that make me doubt myself and make me want to take less. So I'm taking 90 days to pour into me And then if I want to resume contact with any of the people that I listed before, I absolutely can. But now I know, now I know after this 90 days, I know this is how I want to feel. This is, this is what I want the relationship look like, what I want it to look like. These are the actual boundaries that I have. Cause before I was kind of just trying to make my boundaries and I was being more in response to what this person was saying or doing. Like, yeah, I said, okay, I'm not going to take this anymore. And yeah, I said, I'm not going to do this, but that's not what actually happened. What actually happened is I said this and they did what they did. And then I responded in whatever way that I compromised myself to, to make room for them. Or I got mad and said, I'm not going to take this anymore, only for us to reconnect down the road later on because they had access to making me feel special. And I really needed that. I was really yearning for it. It was very familiar to me. It was comfortable to me. So I fell back into it because I didn't know how to give it to myself and I didn't have any other friendships or relationships that made me feel special. Hope, I, if you were in front of me, I'd be like, does that make sense? Hopefully you're nodding on the other side of it. So we we block toxic people because we don't need none of that confusion. We don't need any of it. And also we need to be exposed to what it's like when our supplier, using the same example, if my core negative belief is that I am not special, that I'm forgettable, that I'm unlovable. When I eliminate this person that I've been using for my source, this person and all the other people, right? And I'm just left with me. What are the memories that come up? What are the feelings that come up? What are the fears that come up? And how do I talk to myself during that time?
How do I attend to myself during that time? How do I love on me during that time? How do I replace those thoughts and feelings? What do I do, especially with no contact too? A lot of times we entertain people because they are our friends. They are people that we genuinely spend time with and we enjoy. They make us laugh, right? We have memories together. And so if I... If I'm trying to go into detox from my only friend, the only person that really makes me laugh, the person that I spent so much of my time together with, then that gets lonely as that gets lonely as hell. Who wants to do that? So it really is what comes up for me is I'm lonely. Am I lonely because of this person or is it because I really just don't have anyone to do these fun things with? Okay, now it's time for me to go and find other people to do fun things with. Now, this person was the only person that made me laugh. It sounds like I need to go and really invest in making myself laugh. It means like I need to start buying some tickets to comedy shows. It means I need to start having binging days on TV shows that really make me laugh. It means instead of me doing these binging shows, um, binging these shows by myself, it means I need to um, include a friend. Because I know that when I was, uh, there was a point in time that I had to learn how to laugh again because there was someone who um, I had an addictive relationship with that was just hilarious. We always had such a great time together. And so it really created this um, gap in me when they were no longer available. And so I had to learn how to laugh again. And me watching these funny shows by myself, it was like, haha, there's no way around to watch, to laugh with. And so it would make me actually feel worse sometimes. So I had to start inviting people to laugh with me. <laughs> I had to start inviting people into my solo process so that it wasn't so triggering for me to be watching and enjoying things that typically I used to really enjoy, but me doing it by myself was hard. But then that also led to me learning how to laugh by myself again and for it to not be for me laughing alone to not be a reminder that I was alone, if that makes sense. Um, But really, I was in relationship with myself. But I could only get that by actually having that person not be in my life um, to make space for those other people um, where there wasn't negative consequences to hang out. Because yes, we had a lot of fun together, but there were some other things that happened too that were not so fun, which is why I had to... um, take a break from that relationship. We also detox, to be clear, we also detox from people who like us, even if we don't like them, because we have to learn to humanize people. You know, it's it's a cold world because sometimes we as love addicts, we end up dragging people, even unintentionally, some, sometimes it's on purpose. Um, but we end up dragging people in the ways that other people dragged us and using people in the way that other people use us for attention and affirmation. And we have to learn how to be very careful and mindful and respectful of other people's hearts. If this is a person that has truly not done anything to you, right? That this is not a revenge plot, but this is a person that just truly in good heart and good earnestness really likes you, could potentially be even be falling in love with you, girl, because you're just so amazing. It is on you to protect this person's heart. Don't do what other people have done to you or done to your friends before and said, well, I told you I wasn't looking for anything. So it's your fault that you caught feelings. Now we know, we we all know that on one hand, yeah, you told me, but there were some other things that you did along the way. You told me, but then you did all of this boyfriend, girlfriend stuff on the other end to make me think that you were falling for me, to keep me around, that when I started to step out, you brought me back in. That shit. 
right? Like if you're doing any of that, we don't want to do that during this time because part of you doing that is because of that fear of being truly by yourself. Whatever you're getting from that affirmation, we are the ones who are in charge of our energy. We're the ones who can put out the vibes of, look, we are friends and nothing else. And there's, there's, I'm not going to give you any sign or indication otherwise that this could go somewhere that you want it to go. We can also put out the vibe, which is like, you know what? You're just my friend, but I'm going to smile at you a little bit. And I'm going to like touch your arm a little bit. And I'm going to do all this other stuff that is still technically friendly, but also you might take this home and think about it a little bit later. And that's not necessarily my intention, but if it happens, hey, hey, I can't help it that I got the sauce. I can't help it that I got the juice. Who says the sauce? Nobody says that. I'm not deleting that. I don't want to delete that. But you get what I'm saying. (laughs) It is up to us to be respectful and mindful. And um, even if you are saying, I want to, I'm going to be mindful to not... um, have someone who might already have feelings for me fall deeper. What happens if you're going through this no contact process as a love addict, um, because you're so used to this external supply because you don't really know how to give it to yourself and you don't have the healthy community around that you're currently using. Um, a lot of times I find that people who are love addicts, either there's one or two things are true. Either they don't really have friendships or the friendships that they have are toxic or they have really great friendships, but they don't tell their friends what's going on with them because usually they would be telling their exes and all these un- un- unavailable people what's going on with them, but they don't really let their healthy friends in. So part of your process is going to be letting your healthy friends in. But what happens is, is as you are distancing yourself from the unavailable people, because you're not clear on these internal resources and community yet, anybody around you, they are at risk. You are at risk of falling in love with them or imagining that you can fall in love with them and that they are your dream partner. So friends that you were never, ever attracted to, all of a sudden they start to look really good. All of a sudden you start to kind of think, huh, you could, you could be the one. And chances are, you know, in some cases, they could have been the one. They could have been some of you friend zone and that they were just so amazing. But right now you have just started your process of clarity, of healing, of learning how to esteem yourself and love yourself. Now, right now may not be the right time to start something new. You may not be thinking clearly. And of course, love can strike at any moment. You know, people tell the stories all the time. But if you really want, let's say this is the right person and situation for you, you want to make sure that you're starting off on the right foot and you can give yourself 90 days to to think with clarity. If this person has been waiting for you all this time, just waiting for you to figure out and open your eyes, they will be there at the end of the 90 days. They will be there with bells on. And you're going to have more clarity to see if this person is actually as good as they look. Because a lot of times what happens when people start to do their detoxing process, not only with this, but you know, even students from the recovery school and they're like working on their friendships, they always think there's just one or two people in their life that are toxic. And then they actually start to look around and like, wait, you're toxic too? And you're, have I been surrounded by people who just weren't that good for me? And a lot of times, yes, because your standards of what you deserve have been so low So that when your eyes are open, you're like, oh my God, no wonder I've been feeling like this. No wonder my relationships have been going this way because I thought 
that what, what looked like gold to me was actually fool's gold, right? So you want to make sure that you go through this process so that this person that's just one step better than the exes and the other people you had before doesn't become your new standard. But actually, you want to only go for the people who are actually good for you. So um, there's that. And then also, like I said, you just you're so used to romanticizing relationships and romanticizing connection and the happily ever after that just anybody can get it. I tell the story all the time of how when I first started my no contact process and I got rid of all the exes and everything, everybody started to look so good. Like I started, I started to romanticize the baristas. I talk about the grocery store manager that I was sure was in love with me when that man was just doing his job because I was so not used. (laughs) I was so not used to kindness from men without it leading to romantic behavior, right? Um, it, It had to go somewhere. I couldn't just be in relationship with men. And so your no contact process is going to be you learning how to be in relationship with people without it having to mean something else. That you are not utilitarian when it comes to people. Either you could be someone that I could use for a romantic partnership or I don't need to talk to you, right? Or if I keep you around, I keep you around because you can do me a favor or work for my network. And if, if you only use people for purposes and you don't actually get to know them for who they are, you don't really learn how to build friendships with people. You don't really learn how to share yourself with people. You don't really know how to get to know them for who they are as well. And these are all skills that you need to build any type of deep, intimate friendship and relationship, romantic or otherwise. The ability to get to know people for who they are and not for what they do, for what they can do for you. So for 90 days, I'm detoxing from this, uh, these type of connections and this energy. So what do I do instead? You've already heard me say several times that you are going to replace your addictive behaviors with positive behaviors. So using the examples I've already shared, because we are already at an hour. Oh, Lord, I told y'all. I told y'all this is going to be a lot to kind of prep y'all and get y'all in the right place. So Using the previous example, right? You you go into this no contact period, all of the fears, all the insecurities, all the things that you're feeling come up. And, and during this time, you are going to use this 90 days as space to heal those internal wounds. And you're also going to use it to replace the behavior of using a person or your addictive behavior, whether or not it is a relationship, the fantasy. Um, I haven't talked about porn addiction here with women yet, but whether or not it's porn, compulsive masturbation, anything that you feel like is out of control when it comes to you with sex and love and intimacy. And you know that even when you do it, you don't feel empowered. You don't feel self-assured. You actually feel lower and you feel further away from how you want to show up and who you want to be, that's kind of a clue that maybe something that's good because there's nothing wrong with sex. There's nothing wrong with intimacy. There's nothing wrong with being in love with the idea of love. But when you are so attached to that, to where you will put yourself in emotional, mental, physical, sexual, financial danger, that's how you know it's getting out of control for you. That's how you know that it is something that you need to pull back on and maybe you need to take a break from. 
So I exchange those behaviors for things that actually make me feel good. What are the things that actually make me feel connected to me? What are the things that make me feel grounded? What are the things that make me feel confident? What are the things that make me feel hopeful? What are the things that actually add to my community building? What are the things that actually make me feel special and safe, right? And those are the things that you do during this period. Whenever you feel triggered, whenever you miss that person, whenever you um, are feeling low, you do any or all of those behaviors. You reach out to your therapist, you reach out to your coach, you reach out to someone to support you to get regrounded. And what happens is you find that that person, um, they stop being the source for all things good. It used to be that this person was your only friend. It used to be that this person was the only one who understood you. It used to be that this person was the only person that made you feel special. And over time, you find that, oh, I don't really need that person for this. I can do this. I can talk to these people. I can say this to myself. I can use these tools, right? And um, you expand your network. You expand your tribe. And even if you're in the midst of learning how to build your friendships or um finding new relationships, because I know finding friendships as an adult is hard, especially if you've already gone through this detox process with friends and family, and they have been toxic, and now it kind of feels like you're starting over, or you're reconnecting with old friends, and you're just kind of building with time, you can still be doing these exact same things. But now you're having these conversations with yourself. Now you're talking with yourself about what is the what are the thoughts that I want to feel about myself? What are the things that I want to tell myself? What are the traumas that get in the way of this? And you can use tools to work through this. So one of the main tools that I teach in the program, in my programs, is tapping. Tapping is my favorite tool um, to use that helps us get grounded and helps us um, clear out some negative core beliefs that we're feeling. So tapping is one tool. And of course, there are so many other emotional regulation tools that other people teach. So use whatever works for you, what you've learned in therapy, what you've learned in your own self-help journey to help you come and feel grounded and secure. So the timeline of what you can expect, and this will be the last thing so that this is not a two-hour episode. Um, The timeline of what you can expect when it comes to the 90 days is within the first couple of weeks, um, especially if you're doing this process because someone just blew you off because you're angry, because you're like, that's it, I'm going to change. And there's a lot of energy and emotion behind it. After those first two weeks, you are that's going to come down and you're going to start to feel regret. You're going to start to feel like maybe I did the wrong thing. You're going to start to feel like... um, Um, What are they doing? Do they miss me? If you haven't fully blocked people all of the way um, on social media, on your phone, and they've been able to get these messages through you, which are just planting seeds for you to reconnect with them later, all those seeds that have been planted at this point in time between the two to four week span, they are going to come to full bloom. And you're going to have to decide one or two things. Either you're going to fully block them so that you can do this process and and ride the wave of withdrawal and detoxing because there's real pain that comes up. Anxiety comes up, fear comes up, inability to sleep, fatigue, stomach issues, brain fog, lack of interest in things. Your nervous system is truly going through withdrawal from the way that they attach to this person. When I tell you, when I tell you this Love addiction is not about willpower and making a decision. It is truly in your body. It is truly reorienting your nervous system to not use love addiction, love avoidance as a fight and flight technique, um, but to learn how to live in balance. And going through withdrawal from addictive relationships and people 
will turn all that on. So in those two to four weeks, you have a choice on whether or not you're going to ride this all the way through and fully block them so that you're not keep you're not going to keep getting all this input and sensory information. Um, you're going to stop going through your your um, Finsta uh, accounts to see what they're doing, to see what your mutual friends are doing. You're going to stop or you're going to reconnect to them. Those are your two options. Um, and if you ride it out between 30 and 60 days, um, closer to the 30-day mark, you're going to start to feel that relief. All of the pain, all of the nightmares that come up, all the things that you're like, I don't think I can do this. Um, I'm going to be alone forever. Um, they are so mad at me. I'm the worst person. Why am I doing this? I'm so dumb. Um, this isn't even doing anything. All of those thoughts after 30 days, they go away. If you're doing the full process the way that I, I'm telling you to do, it goes away. Um, because you're actually starting to, you've gotten through that withdrawal process, you've gone through that detox process, and now it's time for you to actually start to build the life that you want and build the new habits and routines that you want uh, with all these replacement behaviors and things that actually make your life well. And then you do that for another 30 to 60 days and life starts to get normal. And then what happens towards the end of the 90 days, even if you were someone who was like, okay, I'll do this, but I'm just going to set a timer. I'm just going to white knuckle it. I'm just going to wait, right? Um, If you were someone who started off that way, but then you actually truly shifted into the heart of this process and actually did it all the way, what happens is around the midway mark, the 60 day mark, you're no longer truly like looking forward to the end of the process. And then within 60 to 90 days, you actually start to dread it. You start to dread it because then you start to kind of have this fear around, oh man, what if I did all this and this is going to restart again? You're going to start to say, oh man, I don't even know if I know how to date. I don't even know um, if I'm going to do this the right way. I don't know how to reconnect with people. Do I even want to reconnect with people? At the beginning of this, I couldn't wait until the end of nine days because I was sure that this guy that I had as a friend, or I was sure that this guy that I met when I first started this was the one. And um, now I don't even know if I want to reach out to them. And that's normal. That is a healthy amount of honesty and humility that's going to help you make the right decisions. Here's something that I didn't say before that's really important. When you start your 90-day process, um, all of a sudden you are going to be the most attractive person ever. If you are the type of person who are your history is no one has ever like approached you, you're always the one that approaches other people um, that, you know, you just don't meet people organically. When you become unavailable, all of a sudden, everybody wants you. But you know who wants you? The unavailable people. It's like they have a magnet and they come looking good and they come smelling good and they come saying all the right things. They got their own therapist. They Girl, it's like... It's like, it's like, oh, Sheena told me to do this. And look at this. The world is open. And it's going to be very tempting for you to cut this process short or to keep them as a friend on the side and only talk to them a little bit throughout this 90 days. And girl, don't do it. Don't do it. It's a trap. It's a trick. It is a trick. <laughs> Unavailable people are attracted to you when you're unavailable. Isn't that wild? It's it's the same process, the same way that if you've been in a love addictive relationship, as soon as you pull away from someone who says they don't have the time for you, now all of a sudden they want you to come back. They want you to be available. And I'm going to double down on telling you, 
Spend this 90 days as a reset period for you to focus on you, love on you, rebuild your relationships, work on your self-esteem, replace those negative thoughts, and get clear on your boundaries so that you can make the right decision going forward. Okay? Um, and same thing I said about everybody else, like people who want to be there for you will respect that. Um, if there was a guy friend that you're like, Hey, um, I'm going to take 90 days just to focus on building my female friendships and focusing on my hobbies and focusing on like my self love. So I may be MIA for 90 days, but that's what's going on. You haven't done anything wrong. And that person being like, good for you, girl, I got you. Let me know if you need anything. Um, I want you to have the best. If you meet a gentleman, um, and I know I've been giving straight examples, but I'm just going to continue because I've already started. Um, if you meet a gentleman and you're like, yeah, so I'm, you don't even have to tell them your whole history. You don't have to overshare. You don't have to tell anybody all this stuff. All you have to say is, oh, well, it's nice to meet you, but I'm not going to be available um, to go on any dates for the next few months. Um, and so he's either going to be like, okay, um, well, reach out to me when you're ready. And he may give you his contact information. Or if you want to, you can take it. Um, I I typically... You can take it. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, if you want to take it, you can and reach out later. Um, but they should be able to give you that space. We want to make sure we're not living in lack and that we understand that relationships, the world is plentiful, um, that there's access and availability. And as long as I'm making decisions from a place of wholeness and safety and security, that's what's going to come back to me versus making split decisions out of fear because I'm afraid that this person in this nice suit is the last one. And that is not the case. Now, if you've gotten to this point, you can make the decision if this process sounds like it works for you. This is just one process of many. There are many healing teachers that teach multiple different methods. For me and love addiction, I am going to continue to swear by no contact at no contact from love addictive behaviors as an amazing resetting tool for you. I think 90 days is worth having a lifetime of renewed experiences and of you seeing the world differently. Um, so I really suggest it. But again, it's totally up to you on how you want to do this. Okay, so as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we do have a no contact and detox kit that goes over this no contact process with more details, with some cheat scripts for you to use. So things to tell yourself whenever these justifications like, um, well, what happens if I have something that they need or um, what do I do if it's a special um, occasion or um, I have to say goodbye. There's scripts to tell you what to do. It also includes some of my other tools that I like to teach people to do when it comes to no contact to remember why you're doing this and what this process is coming from. Um, it also have has a tapping script that I lead people to do whenever they're feeling triggered to, to reach back out to people. So that is available for you by going to blackgirlsheal.org slash no contact. It is just a small little kit um, of resources and videos for you to use. It talks about with the withdrawal process. It talks about accountability. It talks about all that. If you want to be a part of the full experience of what um, of what it looks like to heal past that, to healing your thoughts and everything else, the recovery school is still the best place for that. Um, the self-led track that will be someone 
<laughs> on the episode, on the post where I asked on social media, um, which podcast episode do y'all want to vote on? One, one woman was like, girl, when's the recovery school coming back? <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> November 1st, y'all. November 1st, you will be able to enroll in it, um, self-led uh, for you to work through it. Um, and I want to say it's called the self-healing track. Um, totally adjusted for women who are ready to start that process. It includes the no contact and detox kit. And actually, if you enroll in a no contact and detox kit, you get a discount um, towards your enrollment in the recovery school when it opens up November 1st. So um, it's totally up to you. But those are the two resources that I want to suggest for you. If while you were listening, you were like, okay, well, I need I need support in learning how to build these new friendships and learning how to identify my emotions and learning how to identify my negative core beliefs and talking to myself in self-compassion and going more in depth with that type of stuff. The self-healing track of the recovery school will be a really great addition to the no contact process where you can start the process now. In fact, what happens in the recovery school is when women start the program and then they, they're like, huh, I wasn't going to do no contact but I think I probably have to. I thought I was just going to continue to date and do all this stuff on the side, but this is really confusing for me. Like I can't hear myself. I can't focus. And so they decide to go ahead and start the no contact process. Doing that for a few weeks is really going to help you have a clear mind um, going into the program. So again, totally up to you. You can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash no contact for the kit or um, you can go to blackgirlsheal.org after November 1st um, to enroll in the Recovery School self-led program. So hopefully that helps. And hopefully this is what y'all were needing and the encouragement that you were looking for um, in doing this process. All right. I'm sending you all love. You got this. You deserve so much more. Um, do this reset for yourself. And I am cheering for all of you. All right, I'll see you in the next episode. And as always, take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. 